This podcast is brought to you by The Province. This is Seen and Heard with Province music writer Stuart Durden. Hello and welcome to another edition of Seen and Heard, the podcast with me, Stuart Derdane. And today I have someone who uh, has been a huge musical influence on me, as well as I think generations of Vancouverites, and uh, Joe Keithley, a.k.a. Joey Shithead, hey. the man behind the band DOA. Here to talk about the new album Hard Rain Falling, which uh, has been out for a little while now. And Now, have you taken this uh, on the road yet, this album? Uh, well, yeah, we did uh, two weeks in Ontario and a week on the eastern seaboard, like Philly, New York, Boston. So kind of started that way. And uh, uh, we will do more in the new year, depending on what happens in the next month and a half with me personally. Right. Right. And this, of course, speaks directly to your latest political round venture, because uh, what is it? The launch of the Green Party coming up, uh, provincial Green Party's next round coming yeah. up real soon here, right? We're uh, running a by-election in uh, Coquitlam, Coquitlam Burke Mountain to be exact, and uh, the writ could drop any day. Of course, it's the government's discretion to try and surprise us and c- catch us flat-footed is what they'd like to do, but I don't think they will. Yeah. Uh, how are your feelings about uh, the Green Party's showing or rather not showing in the last election? Uh, I totally understand that. And uh, you know what? I'm I'm back in uh, Trudeau being prime minister. He offered something different. Uh, I just w- went across the country and I saw the woeful uh, shape of bridges and roads in Quebec and Ontario and and somewhat in Alberta, too, of yeah. course. Right. So and we have, of course, we have our own infrastructure problems here and no money for TransLink and a, a government that won't put money into TransLink, you know, so, which is a long story. I won't get into that. <laughs> um, so people like, uh, you know, strategic voting. Yeah, it works because we got rid of, uh, we got rid of, you know, who. So which is the most positive thing you can say about the whole thing. And uh, I say give Trudeau a chance and see how he does. Absolutely. Now, it seems to me that, uh, you know, with the start of a new time, it also fitting that, you know, this is the start of a new DOA. And I have to say, Hard Rain Falling is one of the best albums the band's put out in years. And I think really it comes from the presence of you with uh, the two new members, the new rhythm section. A good rhythm section makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the past rhythm sections have been really good. Uh, the new guys, Patty Duddy and uh, Mike Maggot, we call him, you know, um, ex of uh, BCDC and Circle of the Wagons. Um, they, you know, they take a lot of energy. I mean, Patty, uh, the drummer, grew up as a DOA fan when he was like nine or ten years old and an aspiring punk rock musician in Calgary. And uh, he took it to heart and, uh, you know, it was a, a great thrill for him to get into DOA and he put, puts a lot of energy into it. And I, yeah, it does show on the record. It really shows. And I have to say that ultimately I think a lot of people would agree that the band as a trio is, is at its finest. Um and that it just seems to give you the, the, the space to tear it up. And, uh, yeah. And there's a power to it that, uh, of course, I mean, for me, the, you know, when I really got to know you guys all really well was when Dave was in the band as well. And yeah. It was a quartet. But, uh, yeah. but in some ways, that was just an extension of a power trio, I thought. So. Yeah. Well, Dave, well, I mean, Dave's presence or some of the other guitar players we've had have been great. Uh, but that was a great lineup, you know, with the John and or, and or Dimwit and yeah. Wimpy, Dave and I, sadly, uh, Brian and Dave are not with us anymore, two of my best friends. But um, the, what we try to do with the trio, we kind of realized that you just got to go short and hard and quick. Mm. And that was kind of the approach with the album. So I kind of thought, okay, let's write the songs something like Hardcore You Want. 
it's never going to be the same thing. My voice is not going to sound like I'm 20. You know, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, when people come out saying, oh, we want exactly to our roots, it's never totally true. But you can tap into that at least a little bit. Well, let's uh, play a song off the record that I think speaks to who you are to a lot of people and uh, to a lot of scenes. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, Punk Rock Hero. One, two, one, two, three, four. Punk rock hero, is this a self-effacing number? I, I actually kind of wrote it, wrote it as a sarcastic uh, number for. If you think of like uh, punks who think that they're making a, a difference in the world by having a big mohawk or uh, sleeves of tattoos and being chaos punks, is really a sarcastic look at that. So it's not uh, it's not autobiographical by. by well, that's easy for you to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not about me, really. I just kind of took it about when, you know, because we still play a lot of shows around the world and there's like a lot of kids show up. And, you know, usually there's anywhere five to ten turkeys that come and try and wreck the wreck the show, just like the old days in some ways, uh, by thinking they're the tops and they, they really don't have to respect anybody else. So it's, it's more about them. I remember that. 
a zillion years back the band the tubes who were sort of a you know great they, band they, they did a, and they did a fantastic song called i was a punk before you were a punk that was sort yeah. of taking in that whole one-upmanship that was going on in a scene where at the time that the, you know nobody could even afford to buy a beer uh with the, with the proceeds that were being <laughs> brought in from from the gigs yeah now you of course uh you know we're talking about hardcore you won the title of the gig that's coming up here is hardcore 2015 and it's uh doa gob uh the Boyd's and other guests uh, Saturday, November seventh at the rickshaw. Yeah, and uh, just let's speak back to that. How important that hardcore D one was to well the foundation of hardcore and the scenes that came out of it. That I, I mean, you're credited in about four different documentaries I've seen as being right. the band that that you know the Vancouver scene, DOA yeah. and the Subhumans are being credited with the band that really made that happen. Yeah, it was kind of just like I don't know exactly how the term came up but i had recently uh, a friend of mine was researching it like an older punk and uh he said joe you came up with the term you said that to kevin seconds from seven seconds and then he repeated it to ian mckay from minor threat and then the term spread out and i went like well i don't remember that but if you want to give me credit for that that's fine but we knew that the term was popular. It, was kind of, it kind of epitomized West Coast punk rock at the time, which was a lot different than the scenes in New York or London. It was like Absolutely. a lot more straightforward bands like DOA, Circle Jerks, Dead Candies, Black Flag, uh, and you know later Bad, Bad Brains, Minor Threat, stuff like that. And we thought, okay, this is kind of our own scene. We're not trying to sound British anymore, like the early punk rock records. Everybody tried to sing with a British accent, right? right? Of course, I, I tried it too, uh, <laughs> and it didn't work, but I tried. And so but we started saying, this is a great term. Let's call this album Hardcore 81. And then we invited Black Flag in seven seconds up to Vancouver and did a show here in, in 81, obviously, and then the subsequent tour. And then that kind of spread it out and made it help popularize the term and then a lot of people have taken it different ways since then obviously yeah but it's but it's become a term that gets applied you know putting that core at the end of things so there's metal core and then there's you yeah know, there's all these different genres and things that come out but certainly as someone who was very active in it at the time i remember the hardcore scene was was different you know the punk scene it did it had that bluesy swagger it had a bit more of that new york dolls bit more, yeah rolling more, stones more influence that, yeah was that, still that there, kind of classic right? rock yeah. thing hardcore didn't have that um no and and you know it was it was straight to the straight to the point and yeah. uh, if anything had more to do with kind of you know bands like motorhead uh in, in a lot of ways just with the aggression levels and just that short sort of relentlessness to it yeah i think that's kind of a motorhead or the ultimate uh crossover band so it's, it's kind of sad that lemmy's health is not that great these days so i mm. I advise people if they have a chance to see them, see them now, right? Right, right. quickly. Right. Now you did back in the day. DOA did a tour with Motorhead once. I still remember the jokes about the mic stands. Oh, I mean, like short. Yeah, yeah. He's not that tall a fellow. He's a he's a nice guy though. Um, it, you know, when I met him, he's uh, travels around, travels around with his own own English gambling machine, which is a game called Nudge, which is kind of like um, the old the one arm bandit from Las Vegas. But you can actually take the lever when you put your money in, of course, and you can kind of nudge the handle down a little bit to try and get three cherries or three whatever. So he has his own personal one, and he sits there with rum and coke at a party, right? And you know, then people want to take photos with him, of course, because he's he's Lemmy, he's the one and only. Right. He stands up, he's really polite, really nice guy. Then goes back, has another drink, and keeps playing his nudge game. Now, unusual. It is very unusual. <laughs> very very unusual. Now, uh, you know. People have to say when they see a new DOA coming record coming out. Of course, you know it's it's great that it's a really good one, but also people say, Did, "Wait a minute, didn't didn't I watch them play their last show?" <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, you know, the the rife criticisms of that, uh, in some senses, uh, you know, somewhat deserved and somewhat not. Uh, people said, wow, I've seen DOA do eight uh, farewell shows or that kind of thing. We did, to correct the record, make it stand straight, that uh, in 1990, we did a farewell tour, right? That yeah. farewell show in Vancouver at the Commodore, okay? And then we thought this would be a farewell tour, so I was running for politics three years ago, trying to get the NDP nomination out in Coquitlam. And uh, you know what? I was pretty convinced I was going to win, and obviously I didn't, so I realized uh, I haven't forgotten how to play guitar or write songs and sing and all that kind of stuff. I've been doing this all my life. Indeed. Indeed. It has been a really long time, as as you and I are reserving over buying coffee downstairs. It's, uh, you know, it's been a generation and then some, so... uh, Three and a half, almost. So, I, well, we started in 78, February uh, 15th or 20th, something like that. 78 was the first show at the Japanese Hall on Alexander Street. Coming up on 36 years. Wow. <laughs> or 37, maybe. 37, 37. Yeah. 37. Who'd have thought it? Oh, no, well, not me. <laughs> That's like two life sentences, right? <laughs> and and to you know take a quote from a band I, I don't really like, but what a long, strange trip it's been, huh? Yeah, that's a great line. Yeah. Absolutely right. So, so what you were saying before, I think that you know I'd, I'd never really considered, but rock bands or, or touring bands would be good people to judge the infrastructure across the nation, um, given that you spend that much time in vans and, in and vehicles and, and vehicles and everything yeah. else. But uh, you're getting ready to go. You just got, now did you just get back from the road, or are you getting ready to go on the road yet again? Uh, um, no, we finished up our trips for the year. Um, okay. We we did Europe for three weeks this summer. Um, and we did uh, Ontario and Quebec, uh, Eastern States. Um, we did the Western States, California, up to Denver, Salt Lake, that kind of thing. Um, so we've probably done like 60 shows this year, something wow. like that. And I think we did 70 last year. Like the previous year, we went to Europe, and we also went to China and Australia. So uh, so much for a farewell or retirement tours type yeah, exactly. thing, right? So we're doing a lot. Um so the last couple shows we have planned are we're playing Friday the 6th down Everett, Washington with a bunch of friends down there. We have a great camaraderie with the, the punks and the scene in of Washington course. State, you know, next to our neighbors. And um, we have the 7th at the rickshaw here, of course. And I, But I'm taking this one like a lot differently. Like I'm, <clears throat> I think uh, I and the, the rhythm section agreed, but the way to do this, Joe, if you get elected, then DOA would just play less. Maybe we'll just play some festivals in the summertime, right? right? So rather than, because the last time we're going, okay, I'm going to get elected. We're not going to play anymore. This is it. And I don't think that really worked because, I mean, clearly anytime you run for election, you have a pretty severe chance of uh, not getting elected. Just ask Thomas Mulcair about Absolutely. that, right? Absolutely. It, it, hap- it can indeed happen. It's <laughs> and true. And 1,000 other candidates, right? right? So things don't always work out the way, despite all your planning. So having said that, DOA... To me, why this is a logical extension, because some people must scratch their heads sometimes, is that, you know, to me, I've always been like kind of an informal politician through DOA, you know, doing benefits, organizing benefits for, you know, what I would say are good and just causes. Of course. And um, so if I did get into government with the Green Party, then uh, this would be an extension uh, of that. And I... I really think that the Green Party is the right one for me. I ran for them in 96 and 01. And, uh, you know, 30, 20, 30 years ago, uh, people called the people in the Green Party uh, crazy or climatologists crazy because mm-hmm. look what's going to have extreme weather, um, you know, polar ice caps shrinking, uh, you know, which is going to lead to lack of water, lack of food supply around the earth. And now it's happening. People are going like, oh, 
geez, maybe they weren't so crazy, right? So, so this is, I mean, it's a worldwide movement in a sense. I mean, also a political party at the same time. So that's kind of, it's one of the only really good isms in the world, right? if not the only one in some senses, right? Plus also the, uh, the way in which they like look at the economy. I mean, in many ways, it's quite surprising that the Greens, you know, are, are they're relatively, relatively conservative party, economically speaking and stuff. It's more yeah. about, you know, it's, it's more about pull up your bootstraps in a lot of ways, except pull up your bootstraps with a different kind of bootstrap. Is what, and, and, and I find, yeah. I, I think when you saw in the last election, Elizabeth May talking, talk about ideas in terms of what the other candidates were offering. She actually had some that truly were kind of different and in, in initial and in, in mirrored, frankly, a lot of what's been going on in Germany and some other countries that mm-hmm. are that are a little bit more forward thinking in those sorts of lines, you know? Yeah. We, so. I mean, people have to realize that we're going to be using oil for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's not, it's not going anywhere. Uh, the oil is getting to market now. Uh, for example, say the, the pipelines out here, it's not like the oil is not being sold. The pipelines, the two Northern gateway and Kinder Morgan are basically attempts by the companies to make more money off the oil that they're already sure. selling. So I really have no sympathy for uh, oil company executives. I think they've got, for more than anybody else, anyway. So, right. you know, so the tough lock, I say, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, and um, the, and wind has a way of blowing. You know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, and uh, <laughs> geothermal, wind. Uh, so, there's yeah. solar is an interesting one. Uh, there's some problems, of course, with the course. breakdown of solar panels and the the chemicals involved. Has DOA ever toured Iceland? Speaking no, uh, that would be great. Uh, I mean, I, I've stopped there just on stopovers right. on the way to the UK or Germany uh, on tours, uh, but. I had friends who went there, and it's supposed to be fantastic, but they have the geothermal I know. I spent, I spent a couple of weeks there uh, last year, and, and one of the things that was really interesting was touring one of these geothermal plants and, and the area where they – and it's, it's – I mean, the whole country is crisscrossed with these pipelines. Yeah. And you realize what's running through these pipelines is really hot water. Yeah. It's a, you know, I mean, it's, it's in essence – It's what, a great – I mean, it's, it's hot water hot enough to melt you, but, you know – Yeah, so but, don't, but, don't open up the pipe. But, but, it's, but it's incredible that, that, you know, there's almost nowhere in the country – Given how wildly remote a lot of it is, yeah. it doesn't have this access to this geothermal power. And it, and it, it oh, yes, gas is ungodly expensive. You'd be amazed when you yeah. when you fill a car. But then, of course, people are going, yeah, but we pay next to nothing for all the rest of the power we have, and it's self perpetuating. I mean, as long as there's bubbling stuff underneath. Yeah, they have a unique uh, experience there. I mean, like uh, you know, I think a population of four hundred thousand people. It's not it's not big, and they can power mo- like say most of what they need. Yeah, and they um, had no options. <laughs> yes, there's not there's no natural resources. Yeah. I mean, I mean practical stop uh, steps. I mean, if uh, all the all the cities in BC and the province um, all went to at least with all government vehicles, trying to make them, um, you know, non oil burning vehicles, electrical, sure. biodiesel, right, like the whole you know, fleet for the trucks and stuff like that. That would set a great example. Hmm. We just have to start working our way through through that, towards that. But with Harper, the impetus was to give oil companies tax breaks so they could dig up more oil. Uh, okay. It doesn't make any sense. They don't need tax breaks. They should pay their fair share. They're not. Uh, hopefully, they will soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, and DOA will keep rocking on? Yeah. Um, I mean... Well, I say the, the, the by-election is coming up, we think, in November, so it's going to happen pretty quick here. So I'm going to know one way or the other in like a, a month and a half or two months at the most. And um, if, I'm, if I'm not lucky to, enough to do this time or um, have enough momentum, I'll try it again in 017. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you know, 
I, I told the guys in the band that um, if I'm defeated, the next day I'm on the phone to our booking agent. Okay, let's set some stuff up there. Exactly. Come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take it out with another track. This one, I believe, I think you've covered it before with your... your no, we your, never your, did. But I, I have I'm, a real affection uh, for uh, old Jamaican songs. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, brother absolutely. was a, a teacher there, a high school teacher right. there for a couple of years. And um, I went down there and uh, in 73 when I was like, 16 years old or whatever and picked up all these uh, Jamaican records and including uh, the Heart of the Come soundtrack one right. of the most fabulous records of all time so Johnny Too Bad the words are great because it makes sense you know walking down the road with a pistol in your waist Johnny yeah. you're too bad right so I thought it'd be fun to do it alright well here we are DOA doing Johnny Too Bad off the new record Hard Rain Falling on Sudden Death Records and uh, you can catch the band at the Hardcore 2015 on November 7th 7th at the Rickshaw Theatre thanks again Joe here's Johnny, too bad. Keithley uh, of DOA for coming in, taking time out of his busy schedule to talk about the band's new album and also uh, to just be Joe, talk about politics and everything else. DOA will be playing Hardcore 2015 at the Rickshaw Theater with uh, special guests Gob and the Boyds. 
And that's on Saturday, November 7th. Tickets at TicketFly.com, record outlets, the door, the usual. And yeah, it's going to be rocking. You know that's for sure. Also coming up on the scene section for Seen and Heard, Vancouver band Gang Signs have got a new record out. It's called Geist, and it's on file under music. And the band's doing kind of a cool thing. They're, they're running a remix contest where they just want people online to take their track, Mate, from the new album, and do a remix of it and give it back. And there are prizes to be had and everything else. Um, you can get more information about that at File Under Music. Uh, that's File Under and then um, Music. That's the label that they're on. And we're going to play Mate. And maybe when you're listening to this, you can think about how you would remix Gang Signs. So here's Gang Signs with Mate.
And if you want to hear that live and other songs by the band, head to Fortune Sound Club this Thursday, November 5th. Uh, tickets at the door, and you can check out the band premiering its new record. Cool live band. Lots of fun. And, uh, you know, Sideline Projects, or, or Gang Signs is one of the projects, but one of the band, band members is also in Humans, who I really like, a local electronic band from Vancouver. And more to come from them, for sure. Moving along to the Herd section, album releases and uh, stuff that are really working for me. I've got to say, this is probably very likely candidate for, for an album of the year for me. Uh, it's a trio of Nicole Mitchell, Tamika Reed, and uh, Mike Reed. And uh, the album is called Artifacts on 482 Music. Uh, it's uh, the song that we're going to hear is called BK. And this group was sort of put together at the instigation of drummer Mike Reed. Uh, it's uh, cellist Tamika Reed, not related or anything, spell Reed differently, R-E-I-D versus R-E-E-D. And uh, flute player Nicole Mitchell. And they came together to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the extremely important and influential Chicago-based Association for the Advancement of Creative Music, or, or, or musicians, the AACM. And this freewheeling and intense album features gems from the 50-year-old legacy of AACM composes, composers, um, ranging from late saxophonist Fred Anderson's Bernice um, to Tortoise and, uh, and other band guitar player Jeff Parker's Day, Day Flyby with... And, uh, and also um, Ruby, which is another one, which is uh, written as an homage to Anderson. And it's just amazing how great the soloing is on this record. And I particularly like, really like BK because I think people don't give the flute enough nod as a great instrument, um, probably because there's not that many great players. Uh, you know, I know Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull has said it's one of the great heavy metal instruments. I'm not sure if I buy into that, but... Uh, <laughs> But certainly when you hear it played by uh, Nicole Mitchell on, on this BK, it, it makes you forget those often posted Herbie Mann, uh, you know, posing shirtless on his album covers, uh, you know, jazz flute fusion things. Uh, th- this is really spectacular too. BK from the Nicole Mitchell, Tamika Reed and Mike Reed uh, trio taken from Artifacts.
Staying with the jazzy stuff uh, coming out of New York, we got the Aaron Irwin Quartet. Uh, we're going to hear a track called A Room Forever, taken from an album called A Room Forever, which is available at AaronIrwin.com. Um, he's a super buzzed about bass clarinetist composer. Uh, I think previously in Greenwich Village was, was his location, but uh, this is a dozen lovely tracks based around the short stories of a West Virginian author called Brees. DJ Pancake, and I know nothing about this writer, I have to be perfectly honest, but this the, the album is this exceptionally beautiful mix of stylized arrangements and, and underlying kind of Blue Ridge Mountain old-timey flair, which makes for a fantastic listen. It swings, but it also twangs and, and goes all points in between. So we're going to hear Room Forever off the uh, Aaron Irwin Quartet record. of course because down the road we have something called Christmas coming you know Halloween's over so we already have Santa Claus turning up in uh, storefront windows and everything else it only makes sense to get the funky Christmas action going and we're going to do that with a song called Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects taken from It's a Holiday Soul Party on Daptone Records by none other than Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings And if you get the blues for Christmas, this will make them funk off. That's for sure. Here we go with Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects.
For this version of Seen and Heard and others, just check out theprovincepodcast.com and we'll see you next week. listening to Seen and Heard with Province music writer Stuart Durdane. Catch Stuart in the Province newspaper or online at theprovince.com.